This week, some truly horrifying stories about camping and hiking. Plus, we finish out our Denali series talking about the front country area, all the stuff you can do in town in and around Denali National Park. This is RV Miles. Since 1912, L.L. Bean has been helping people get outside together with gear tips and advice for exploring all the possibilities of the outdoors all year long. L.L. Bean's founder once said, if your feet are happy, you're happy. So here's a tip for your winter footwear. Your feet can still sweat even when it's cold. So swap your cotton socks for a merino wool blend. Cotton holds moisture and takes a long time to dry, but wool traps heat and wicks away moisture, keeping your toes cozy. For more tips, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com explore. episode number 306 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more. This is going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of the stuff that we really enjoyed visiting do not we we love going to national parks and and visiting the gateway towns we like all the stuff in the gateway communities it's all ridiculously expensive <laughs> and there are lots of things that you can do at denali that we that we didn't do there's all the activities that you can pay lots of money for like the helicopter rides and you can go whitewater rafting right there it's it, if you're like that type of person there's a whole lot you can do there but we're going to share some of our favorite things from that experience but first, we've got some stories here from the hard-hitting journalists over at Cracked.com. <laughs> I don't even know how you landed on this website. I don't know anything about this, so I was not allowed to read this ahead of time. I don't know how he got there, but here we are, folks. We're going to kick it off with some truly horrifying experiences that people have had while hiking or camping. So really, that should really <laughs> encourage you to want to get started on your 2024 camping really what, planning. What, what these folks did is they they pulled some stories off of Reddit. So this okay. is actually human stories okay. uh, from, from Reddit. So here's, here's one. Okay. Sheer terror when I was a kid at Boy Scout summer camp. One kid left a couple of airheads. If you don't know what airheads are, our kids love airheads. Oh, so they much. are a, a sour candy out on the picnic table. Everyone woke up in the middle of night to, no joke, 30 plus raccoons fighting over airheads and going into tents looking for more food. If you've never heard that many hissing and growling raccoons at the same time, good for you. Wow. <laughs> We've told this story um, before about tent camping in Michigan where we had a raccoon that we thought was a bear it was so big and loud we've had several <laughs> raccoon encounters we've had that one i think it was a raccoon that tried to make out with your leg yes. in the dark yes uh when we were at starved rock yeah and then most recently when we were at yosemite we were those people who forgot that we had left our trash we were cleaning up inside and had put our trash bag outside that someone needed to walk it to the trash can got sidetracked forgot that it was there i woke up or at some point in the evening actually we were still all up i believe it was jamie and clay that informed us that we were currently feeding the wildlife yeah to be clear, we weren't in the national park. We were no, in no, 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 no. We we were at the Thousand Trails. It was yeah. outside the park, but not still, that it's not any better. Yeah. Not any yeah. better whatsoever. So of course we went out there and quickly took care of it. There were no airheads in it, so only one raccoon was interested in it, as opposed to thirty. What a terrifying thing to be a kid to wake up to in the middle of the night. Here's a fun one. Every parent's nightmare. When I was five-ish, I slept walked. I sleepwalk. How do you say that? Sleepwalk. 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 I sleepwalked out my tent and off a small <gasps> cliff, small cliff in North Carolina into a lake, woke <gasps> up down there, then screamed until my parents found me. 
And this is why some parents fear that their kids are going to leave the RV at the middle of the night. You know, some like double bunkhouse RVs that have a door in the back. Yes. <laughs> You've got to leave it unlocked in case there's a fire or something. But <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So we've had we have a child that has been prone to sleepwalking. And there's only been a few times where I have been concerned that they might actually leave. Most of the time, I'm just really concerned they're going to just pee somewhere. <laughs> Look, I, our kids, TMI, we've been but lucky. Like... I mean, our kids, he sleepwalks a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's nothing compared to what my brothers and I used to do. We used to sleepwalk a lot. And Would I you don't, leave? I don't know. Like your house? No, but but there, some of us have been known to pee in things. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, now, I had some cases where I was, I actually, I think mine were more night terrors. Like I used to be really prone to having nightmares as a child. And often, especially if I was sick or something, I have a, a distinct memory of my mom like waiting up at night because she knew I wasn't feeling well and she knew I was probably going to have a bad dream and be up kind of disoriented and looking for her. So she just stayed up waiting for me. I don't have any stories that involve anyone in my life just randomly peeing I, in things. There was one I time. Just, I don't. I don't understand. That. There's, there's. I won't. I won't say which brother it was, but there was one time I was, I was like out on the couch in the living room, up really late as like a teenager, right? And and one of my brothers came out. You know, maybe it was like twelve thirty or something okay. at night. And went into the kitchen, and I, they had that look on their face, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and they ignored me, and I was like, "What are you, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Getting a snack." <laughs> and then they opened the fridge and peed right in the fridge. Oh, I know who this is. I know a hundred percent who this is. I this is. I know exactly which brother-in-law of mine did this. <laughs> That is, that's yeah, classic. Yeah. That feels right on the nose for him. Wow. I think there's a story about when I was like real little that I like peed in my grandmother's oh toothbrush my, drawer or something. What is, what is happening? <laughs> Wait, is this normal? Maybe it's, maybe is it's this a boy a, thing. Is I, this... don't, I, I don't know. Luckily, our kids have not. I've, I've almost caught our kids almost doing something like that before on and the... stopped it. On the regular, I say, I don't know how you live with it. I don't know how you live with that thing. It's, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Here's one that, this one, this one is like, this is the beginning of a horror movie. Solo camping in the middle of nowhere. When I woke up in the morning, someone had made a cup of tea and partially drank it in the middle <gasps> of the night on my picnic table. No sign of anyone anywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Tea drinkers, you all are very, very serious about your tea. Like, you're very serious about it. I have so many questions. It's, you know, I mean, you must have like been really. Hikers and, like, you know, there's it's a, a spot that a lot of people stop at, I'm guessing. I don't right, know. Right. But you left the cup? I, you used the camp? Yeah. The tent solo <laughs> campers? cup are is the solo camper a tea drinker and, and someone just helped themselves to his earl gray like the, what i have so many i have right. so this is why i can't ever be on reddit yeah because that is a rabbit hole i will never climb out of here's one that you'll love went camping in deep appalachia in a tent woke up to a weird feeling that i was laying on something no then i felt no. it move Stop. A snake had made its way under my tent, and I think it was trying to get warm as it stopped moving right under where my back was. After me moving a bit and finally went on its merry way, I'll never forget how it felt moving underneath me. Oh, my gosh. I can't handle this. Abby loves snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Abby can't handle... Abby can't handle the fake snake at Rainforest Cafe that's like hanging from their side. No, I don't go there. I don't. It's, I, it's I, like I don't go there. And no, you, you can't handle the cartoonish. You don't get snake. my business, Rainforest, because you've put a giant snake like right at the entrance. I, this is why Indiana Jones movies are very difficult for me to watch like the indiana jones ride is very hard for me to get on because i know there's going to be a whole section of snakes <laughs> even the jungle cruise is very difficult the, for me to oh get through because there are snakes there's a section 50s cobras <laughs> animatronic 
it's it's all i mean my chill vibe right now is to watch secrets of the zoo tampa it's on disney plus okay it's like three seasons it's a nat geo thing this is like my chill vibe this is how i come down from the day it's just watching all of these endangered and injured animals find a new life in this zoo and how much people love and care for them and it's just got the right amount of like like tug at my heartstrings but also drama at the same time but nothing like just really awful you know last night they finally they finally broke me. I knew an episode with snakes was coming. <laughs> I hadn't seen one. And I spent half of that episode just like with the blanket up over my eyes because I was like, I, I can't watch this. Tell me when it's over. They were releasing snakes back into the wild. And I was like, the whole point is to get them out of the wild so that I can go to the wild. Why are you putting them back? <laughs> That's not what zoos are for. <laughs> That is really not. I think you're you're not getting a lesson of your your zoo show. A snake population should just all go to the zoo and be in the reptile house, and then that way I know I don't go in there. Well, I'm going to skip some of the. Uh, there was a cockroach story they, I just nope, skipped. There was a spider story I just skipped. So we'll go to this one. Night one of a trip at Sleeping Giant in Canada, I believe. First night out, I'm always a little jumpy because it takes a while to get used to the sound of the woods. And this was no exception. It was a solo trip. So just me and a little tent on the edge of the forest, looking out onto a small slope down onto a pebble beach. I was having some real trouble getting to sleep. The woods were just so loud and my mind kept jumping to serial killer instead of normal wildlife. I was trying to convince myself otherwise when I hear some heavier footsteps breaking twigs. My heart is in my throat because I just know I'm going to die all alone in the Canadian backwoods. Then I hear a crash and some falling rocks directly outside my tent, and I work up the courage to turn on my flashlight and unzip the door to have a look, at which point I catch a glimpse of the very clumsy woodland elk that had just fallen down the slope onto the beach right in front of me. Didn't die. <laughs> I have to say, these stories make an exceptionally good case for why I don't tent camp and why over all these years you have been wanting to get a tent and you've been wanting to do some tent camping and I've been very, very supportive of that. Yeah. But I have always said to you, you go by yourself. I stay in the RV. I stay in the RV that has walls and a door where I can still enjoy nature, but can be in a space in which I don't have to, fingers crossed, worry about sleeping on top of a snake. It's not to say they can't get you, in there, yeah, but... You sleep on a pad. <laughs> uh, nope. Hard pass. Hard pass on all of that. Me, my old roommate, and a friend went hiking into the woods in Tennessee. We were going along, minding our own business. Then we came up upon a stream. On the other side of the stream, getting ready to cross, was a group of about five or six dudes only wearing socks and shoes. Nope. <laughs> Naked bros hiking in the woods. I'm all about being in your birthday suit or whatever, but it was weird seeing it for the first time. And apparently it's a thing. People do naked hiking. There's like a naked hiking day, isn't there? Jay, there's a whole show called Naked and Afraid. Like being but naked out in nature. Why, is it naked? Is, why are they afraid? I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of... I would be afraid to just... Just We've, the being naked, like around like poison ivy and mosquitoes, is enough to be afraid of for me. Uh, naked hiking is for sure not my thing. Okay, it's I scratched by trees and stuff. Come I, on. Listen, and if I've got to, you know, sometimes you got to go off trail and you got to go to the bathroom, and sometimes it's hard to kind of find and cut a, a good path. So you're trying to leave as little trace as possible. That seems very, very difficult to do naked. So I also, frankly, I, it's just, I, Hey, you do you. And if going out into nature and being naked is works for you, do it. The thing that cracks me up though, is the wearing of the shoes and the socks, because you know, there's that whole, what is that whole thing called where it's like, you're, you're like forest bathing or something. You're supposed yeah. to go out and you're supposed you're to grounding. walk. Grounding. Grounding. You yeah. go out and you walk barefoot yeah. and you just, you're grounding into the earth. This seems like you are, think you're doing that, but you're taking like the one component away 
which is actually the hey, feet look, touching I mean, the earth. You do you. I just feel like, okay, you're wearing shoes to protect your feet from right, the ground. That's great. There are other things to protect. That's that's, that's really Kill what it comes bites, down to. Sunburns. <laughs> lots of itchy plants out there. I just, you know, it's just not for me. And But if I saw it out in the wild, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Have a great day. Can I offer you guys a Nature Valley bar? <laughs> Whatever. There are a lot more of these. Uh, I'll, I'll link to this article in the description. There's 22 of them, so according can, to the article. You can troll through it yourself. <laughs> but it's there's some really funny ones in there that I avoided because they would scare Abby. Yeah, don't read these with <laughs> anyone you're trying to convince that hiking and camping. Maybe read the, like. The naked hiker one that, you know, but like, don't read these if you're trying to convince someone to go hiking and camping with you, because this is this is not the story. This is not the article that's going to convince them for sure. All right. In just a moment, we'll be back and we're going to talk about the the final portion of our visit to Denali National Park. And that's sort of the front country stuff. So I'm excited to get into that stuff. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight-distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. This episode is sponsored by the Park Wolf app. Ever found yourself in the heart of a national park surrounded by beauty, but unsure where to go or what to see? That's where Park Wolf comes in. Park Wolf is the ultimate app for exploring national parks. As you drive, the GPS shows you what's coming up on the road, and an audio guide will fill you in on what's there so you can decide if it's worth a stop for you or not. Gas running low, looking for a bite to eat or a bathroom break? Park Wolf's got you covered. It keeps track of the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover areas. And the best part, it works without an internet connection. And if you're a wildlife enthusiast, you'll love Park Wolf's wildlife maps and sighting notifications. So before you set off on your next national park adventure, download the Park Wolf app for your iPhone from the App Store. It's your ultimate guide to national parks. All right, let's finish up our series on Denali National Park, but not entirely because in the next episode we need to talk about Talkeetna, which is the entirely different side of it's where we actually got to see the mountain a lot. Yes, but Talkeetna is <laughs> not really, a town. Yeah. It's a, it's a destination town. Yeah. It's it is definitely connected to the park, but there are a lot of things about yeah. Talkeetna that draw people there besides Denali yeah. so and it's not going to three be yeah. three parts yeah. it's literally going to be a episode and we never intended it's so interesting when we broke down Denali and we started talking about everything this was never the intention to make this three episodes there's just so much there's so much and you know this is one of those things I think for anyone not everyone is going to Alaska not everyone is going to Denali but I do think for those that do decide to go there is an incredible amount of research and questions like what do i do where do i go how do i make this work probably more so than traveling the lower 48 yeah, yeah there's a great uh facebook group by the way i don't think i've mentioned it in any of these episodes uh called rving to alaska where you can really get a lot of information about exactly what it says but also about like this upcoming season and stuff mm -hmm. or what people experienced last year I, there was a, one post yesterday that i'd commented on that somebody was asking about should they make reservations or can they just do it serendipitously and i responded denali was the one place we really made reservations mm -hmm. far in advance and we're happy that we did because yeah. we stayed a long time so Use this podcast, use the upcoming Baja to Alaska documentary that we're going to be putting out. Use that Facebook group. Use all of the resources out there available to you to plan this trip because there is a lot of questions that we had. Yeah. And we were able to get those answered. And I'm sure that outside of this, there will be a lot of questions that you have that we will not be able to answer because we did not do everything that there is to do in Denali, which is why something like a Facebook group 
really comes in handy. Or even the America's National Parks Facebook group. That would be a great place to ask questions about Denali that we are unable to answer here in this show. So if you're not a member of that, that's a Facebook group that we run that is part of our America's National Parks podcast. We have a accompanying Facebook group with almost 100,000 members in it. So if you can't find the answer in some of those resources, consider popping over there too. So we want to start with talking about one of the places that sort of helped us with one of those reservations. So if you, if you remember back on the first Denali episode, we talked about staying at Riley Creek Campground, which is sort of in the front country area of the park. It's a National Park Service campground. And you have a reservation to get in, but the individual sites are first come, first serve. So you do want to sort of get there early enough in the day to pick out a good site as people sort of roll out of them. So in order to do that, we wanted to stay really close to the park the night before. And we stayed at 49th State Brewing. It's always nice to stay at a brewery. Now, this is not like a Harvest Host location. This is a brewery that actually has a campground behind it. It looks like years ago, maybe it was like a KOA or something. Yeah, It's really kind of run down and it's just an affordable place to overnight with some picnic tables and, and fire rings and stuff like that and and electricity, but really no services other than that. It's $25 a night. You can't reserve a site. It's a little difficult to find. There's instructions on their website, but it's like hidden down a hill behind a gas station and you don't really know exactly where to turn in. But once you figure that out, you can get down there and it can handle up to sort of medium size RVs. Jamie Clay in their Airstream, which was is 30 foot long, fit okay. So I just really want to reiterate too that the road getting down into this campsite is bumpy. It's downhill. Once again, this is really where the Ibex shines, this independent suspension and the way that it can navigate over this really rough terrain. It was able to get down there with really no problems whatsoever. But it it is an unkept road. Yeah, and I, the campground itself is also unkept. I wouldn't drive like a 45-foot class A down here. No. And there, you know, they do have on-site pay showers and pay laundry if you need them. Near the campground is also the seasonal housing. So it is very much uh, a part of the community of this brewery. They do bring in seasonal workers. You're going to see that all across Denali and all across Alaska, these big tourist towns coming in with all of these seasonal workers. But this is a great intro into moving into Denali. Like Jason said, it's a great staging area so that you can get in right at around checkout time at Riley Creek. Really time your entrance getting into Riley Creek at checkout time because that is going to be about the time that really the sites start to clear out. We all know this. We do it ourselves, right? We kind of hang out. If we don't have far to go, we're hanging out close to like that checkout time and then we move out. So that's really when spots are going to open up. So you're going to get into this space. You pay $25 a night. You can do that up at the restaurant. So you can couple that with dinner up at the restaurant, which is lovely. But 49th State Brewing is worth visiting whether you stay overnight there or not. It's only about 20 minutes from the park itself. So you could stay here if you did want electric hookups and you wanted to use this as a place to stay to go into the park, you could absolutely do that. And you can stay for extended periods in in this site. It's just not the most glamorous spot. But the brewery itself, and I think they have other locations, but this is like their primary Mm -hmm. location. The brewery itself is really nice. They have a great selection of beers, of course, it's because it's a brewery. But they have a large outdoor sort of hangout space with like outdoor games and outdoor bar. And uh, I'm sure they have a lot of live music there. And then a really nice indoor restaurant with an indoor bar and tables to set at and all. We, We went twice and yeah. and sort of spent time doing both and the food here is a little more upscale than you would expect at a lot of breweries like steaks and stuff like that instead of mostly like burgers even though they have a little bit of that as well in addition to the great food that they have in addition to the brewery they have on site they also have a very eclectic cocktail menu as well it was such a surprise to 
find this place. It's very, very popular. And actually next to it is also, so you've got the brewery and then in the parking lot, there is a Thai food truck. Yeah. Like a food. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't have any food from there, but that place was also packed and I think it's just, it, this is such a really great. It's like a Thai food and taco truck. Was it? <laughs> I think it was. Did they have tacos too? Yes. Didn't investigate that one as, <laughs> as deep. Although I did see they had pad Thai, which is like yeah. my favorite, but it just didn't work out for us to do that. You know, this is a lot of fun. It's very popular. It's got that vibe that you really like of, of hanging out with everyone who's kind of doing the same thing that you're doing. You're going to make friends really, really quick. Yeah. And you're all going to start talking about Denali. We went up there and worked mm-hmm. a little bit as well and got on their Wi-Fi and were able to sit at a picnic table and have a beer and get some work done. And that that was really, really great, too. They have in their sort of big outdoor space. They have the bus from the movie Into the Wild. If you don't know the story of Into the Wild, and I don't really know the story that well, but there's this bus that people used to hike to where this guy stayed at that was featured in the book and in the movie Into the Wild. That bus has been removed and put in, and put in a museum somewhere. Mm-hmm. But this bus that they have here is the bus that they actually used in the movie to replicate it so you can take photos with that and everything and it's kind of cool so that's the brewery that's where you want to start off with if you're staying at riley creek so you can do some staging and then head into the park the next day once you get into the park there were a few things that we did uh that we really enjoyed and one of those was biking into town so we would get up in the mornings when we were at riley creek and we would take our bikes into town we did this a few times to a really really fun coffee shop. It's called the Black Bear Coffee House. And they had a really fantastic menu of not only just baked goods, but they also do breakfast. The coffee was great. It was very, very busy. It's very busy. (laughs) This is one of maybe two coffee stops, like just along there. So if you go into town, there's uh, a whole bunch of resorts, hotels. This is where people that get bussed in are going to come and stay. And then across the street from that is just like this strip of all kinds of shops. So Yeah, I think even like one or two of the resorts are owned by cruise ship companies because they just send people in on a bus on an excursion off of a cruise into the inner workings of Alaska, I bet. And Denali is one of the places. And in fact, this row of shops is where we were introduced who has quickly become one of our most favorite artists, V-Ray. And they do these incredible sort of trick of the eye paintings. Very like colorful wildlife sort of, I think they're they're primarily watercolor, but then they're printed on metal, you know? Yes. So the, they've got a pop to them that's just wonderful. And we were in this store and we happened to see this one that we couldn't, For the first several seconds, we could not figure out what it was. It looked like a bear, but it looked like the bear was sideways. And we we were staring at it and we're staring at it and we're just, we're riveted by it. And then all of a sudden, you figure it out. It's peeking behind a tree. It's peeking behind a tree. And when you catch it, you just go, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. And we were talking to the owner of the shop and she said, oh, I get people that tell me all the time that I've hung this wrong, <laughs> that it should be hung yeah. as uh, landscape and not portrait. And we're standing there and we're, it's beautiful. I mean, please go look up this artist. Their stuff is gorgeous. And we're looking at it and we're looking at it and I'm like, oh, I really would love to own this. It's so beautiful, all of the work. And then the price was like, Oh, that's a little bit more than we have a budget for right now to spend on a beautiful piece of art. Not that it's not worth it, just wasn't in our budget. And but so then we found it in Talkeetna. Don't tell the rest of the story. You have okay, to save it for sorry. Talkeetna. Okay, we'll save it for next week. So we'll save the rest of how the bear actually came home with us and is currently hanging in our living room looking at us right now. 
We will save that for the Talkeetna, but we were introduced. But this is a, this is, there's a lot of souvenir shopping type stuff here. Yes. If that's what you're into. And there's also sort of, you can find places that will take you on excursions. If you want to take, you haven't seen the mountain, you want to take a an airplane tour to go see the mountain and the deep backcountry of Denali. Or if you want to take a whitewater rafting trip, they leave right from right here mm -hmm. in downtown. You actually, when we biked into town, and we did, we biked into town using our e-bikes. It was so great. Yeah. Just, um, just know it's a lot of uphill, downhill. Yeah. Those e-bikes were... Uh, Perfect. And you go right over the river where, where folks are whitewater rafting. You know, we haven't named the town yet. And that's because <laughs> so the, the the 49 State Brewing is actually in the town of Healy. Yes. Um, but the town just outside of Denali is just called Denali. It's like they're all their address, the addresses for all of these businesses and, you know, locals might correct me. Yes, might, please. But all the businesses, their addresses are Denali National Park and Preserve. So, so that's what we're sticking with. It could be totally different. And if you know that to be yeah. fact, please let us know. Leave us a comment if you're watching this on YouTube or just drop a comment like in the RV Miles Facebook group, because every business that we went to all listed it as just Denali National Park and Preserve. So... You're going to go into town, you're going to get some coffee, you're going to find your new favorite artist, but maybe you aren't a morning person, but you want to go in, you want to bike in from the park and you want to get a little something to eat. So we did go, of course, it's time for a pizza recommendation because it wouldn't be RV Miles if we didn't go eat some pizza somewhere. So we had dinner at Prospector's Pizzeria and Ale House. This was really cool inside. Yes, it was. A lot of historic Alaskan things on the walls. A lot of great photographs and, you know, mining and climbing gear and all that sort of stuff. And again, a little bit more elevated than just a typical pizza place. All of the restaurants that we encountered here were a little bit more elevated. And I think that that just speaks to the popularity of Denali. Well, it was kind of cool because we hadn't really experienced that yet much in Alaska. A lot of mm -hmm. stuff was very rustic and stuff. And here, uh, a lot of it was was a little bit more special. Yeah, it was wonderful. The staff there was really great from the minute we walked in to the minute we left. They were all so kind and so nice and, and really great with the kids. We should really reiterate that all of this is expensive. Yes. Eating out is very, very expensive all through Alaska, but particularly gateway communities On, tend to be a little bit more expensive when they're up against incredibly popular national parks. You can imagine if they're serving like nice never frozen steaks in, in Denali, like what it costs to get that there. Yeah. Right? So you, you pay for that, but if you can budget that out to have a few great experiences I would say that these three that we've talked about here today in and around Denali were really, really fun. And the final one that we want to talk about is for sure not going to be for everybody, but it was such a great way to do. How would you how would you describe this? Like it is. Well, if you you know, if you <laughs> If you like, if you like dinner theater, that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be that basic, if you like dinner theater, and if you want to do something that is so kitschy and touristy and just really, it just really isn't like national park in the backcountry doing your hiking and all of that and your camping, and you want to do like the complete opposite of that then you want to go to the Alaska Cabin Night Dinner Theater, which is at the Denali Park Village. So Denali Park Village is a commercial yes. resort that has lots of lodging for folks. Again, like a lot of a lot of people come in on the train. Uh, the, the train comes in right into Denali and you can get off and, and stay at one of these places but a lot of the cruise ship buses as well but this is a this is a place that is nice to visit even if you don't go to the show they've got lots of shops and they've got a restaurant on site and and 
we specifically went to this dinner experience because it was Ethan's birthday. And, and, and nothing says turning 13 <laughs> like your parents taking you to a dinner theater in if, Alaska. If you've ever been to hoop de doo Review at, at Disney World, this is very much a similar vibe yeah. with a little less humor and a little bit more serious. There's a lot of humor. There's but, a lot of humor. But, and the talent was actually quite impressive. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was, I did not have a super high bar for what I expected this to be. And it completely surpassed that. So this is a story that's going to be all about our heroine, who is Fanny Quigley and an unforgettable cast of characters. And it's a gold rush tale of adventure in the early 1900s in Alaska. Kind of about the founding of Denali. Yes. Some of the characters are you know, are the folks that first explored and discovered and climbed uh, the mountain. And you, you're welcomed from the outside that, you know, when they open the doors, the cast comes out and they sort of do like a pre-show song and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they welcome everybody into this big cabin and you have sort of reserved seating, but there are all these big communal tables. So you do sit with other people at very long tables and you get, they really do a lot to, work to get you to like talk to the other people and know the other people so if you're not into that type of thing know that that's going to be part of it and and then it is this big communal dinner yeah. where everything is served family style by by the cast of the show yeah so they serve all the food and i think we had so um, the dinner that is Alaskan salmon, barbecue ribs, potatoes, corn, drop biscuits, and berry cobbler. Oh, the, the berry cobbler. cobbler was so it was good. Giant too. It was so good. And they also have a full bar. So and that's an additional cost, but it is expensive. So this is ninety dollars for an adult and forty five dollars for children three to fifteen. So it is costly, but we really had a good time like it was fun to go and do something that was a little bit more i guess commercial or kitschy or maybe like something that everyone is doing you know these things sell out they are packed during the season this is a big draw for people that are staying in the village or staying in town a lot of the cruise ships and tours of visiting this area, they all will come and they will book this as an evening, kind of like how we talked about the Alaska Salmon Bake. So this is what I wish the Alaska this Salmon is what Bake it should be. Yes. in Fairbanks. Yes. yes. This is what this should have been. That's yeah. what that Alaska Salmon Bake should be, the Cabin Night Dinner Theater. Like, this is so much fun. I thought it was absolutely worth the $90. The we laughed. We got to interact with the cast. The food was really good. They do just a great job of moving through the story. There's never a whole lot of lull. The singing was fantastic. They play their instruments. It was just a really good time. They get the cast. They get the audience involved. You know, they had some people come up out of their seats. They yeah, it, it was whole, it was really funny, but there were some really moving moments in it. Yeah, we're waxing quite poetic about this. It's not anything that's going to be it's, Tony nominated. It's very cornball. Okay, it's it is <laughs> on the on the other end. It is very corny. It is, but if you want to get out of the park and have just a really fun evening, we would recommend that you check this out and and go check out yeah, Cabin Night. We did the show, and then outside of the show, then they have giant fire pits for people to sit and hang about at and they've got lots of little small shops to go to in this little yeah. Denali village area. And uh, then the village itself, the main hotel space, also has a restaurant in it. It has a bar. They have a big gift shop, which is where, if you're watching this, this is where I got the shirt I'm wearing today. So this is like, it's got a little bus on it. It's supposed to be a playoff of Into the Wild, but this is just like a van life bus. It's a Wild Tribute t-shirt. We love Wild Tribute. We're really big fans of what they do. So there's a way that you can extend that because cabin night is short i think it's only about an hour ish maybe hour 20 because they do a 5 30 show and a 7 30 so they've got to have time between the two shows so it's a short show but you can absolutely extend 
your time there by going around and, and checking out the village itself and walking around. There's parking. We drove over. So there is free parking available over there. And you can just kind of make an evening of it. I thought it was a very nice way to spend Ethan's 13th birthday. Yeah. Okay, that was our visit to Denali. Finally, we've gotten through all of the the Denali stuff. So if you have questions, please feel free to ask about it in the Facebook group. We'd be happy to help you plan your Alaska trip whenever you head up that way. And of course, that RVing to Alaska group is very helpful as well. Yeah, and eventually Baja to Alaska (laughs) will be out for you to watch as well. And you can see all of this for yourself. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will check the level of our tanks. Be right back. From sea to shining sea, each week, the America's National Parks podcast brings to life stories from our nation's greatest treasures in short, easily digestible episodes. From the peaks of the Rocky Mountains to the deserts of Death Valley, America's National Parks celebrates the people, places, and wildlife that make up the over 420 National Park Service sites. Find the America's National Parks podcast, one of Apple Podcasts' top 20 places and travel shows, wherever you listen to RV Miles. Welcome back to the show. And it is time to check the level of our tanks. Sponsored by Matt's RV Reviews, liquefied RV toilet treatment, the no BS toilet treatment. You can find liquefied in the RV Miles Amazon store. Just head over to amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. Now, Jay, before I ask the level of your tank, We need to remind people, what are we talking about this week on Detour? We're going to talk about changing up our travel plans for the summer. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we (laughs) sometimes have great big plans and then we entirely change them up. Well, that just happened yesterday about that. (laughs) Yeah. So if you are interested in joining us for Detour, which is the podcast after the podcast, just become a MileMarker member. It's $7 a month or $70 for the year. That's two free months there for you that want to do the math. And you can do that by heading over to rvmiles.com slash milemarkers to learn more about how to access Detour, along with all of the other thank you perks we have there for supporting our small business and making things like the Mile Zero Studio possible. There will also be a link to it, of course, in the description, or you can just go to the RV Miles homepage, and it's up in the upper right corner there. Somewhere there in the homepage. (laughs) All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank is, so there was something that improved in the know there's there's a lot of things in rv construction that did not improve over the course of this pandemic boom in rv sales one of the things that did improve was tires a lot of manufacturers started to put better tires on trailers mm-hmm. and i loved that because some of the tires that they do put on them are pretty terrible however that trend is reverting and part of that is because the reason they put better tires on them during that period was there was an access to more affordable tires so they were starting to put better tires on some there there were some instances of like you get a better thing because we don't have access to it and tires were one of them well now after going to the last couple rv shows we've been to i'm i'm seeing a lot of brands that that had jumped up to maybe Goodyear Endurance tires on their trailers are reverting back to Westlakes or Castle Rocks, which are both brands made by the same company, Lion's Head. Uh, Lion's Head is a trailer tire company that was basically set up to supply the RV industry in Elkhart, Indiana with cheap tires. They are based in Elkhart. And we, we could go on and on about the issues with these tires, the, the the castle rocks that explode in the spare tire position on a brand new RV and, you know, never had any weight on them. It That stuff drives me insane. And it's unfortunate that these super cheap tires get put on, but we're seeing a bit more of that again. Let's not do that. Yeah. Let's not do that. I, yeah. This is such a common complaint by RVers. It is the quickest way to continue to feed the narrative that is poor quality coming out of Elkhart. Why do we keep feeding this narrative by putting tires on? I, yeah, 
I could go on and on as well. All right. <laughs> what is in your fresh tank this week? Well, this is something that's going to start out sounding like a black tank. But you and I have been looking for a while now at what might be our next RV. A four-leaf um, clover. We've basically. talked about this here. It doesn't exist. But that this saber is uh, a little too big for our travels now, what we want for our travels now that we're uh, not a full-time family anymore. And it it doesn't have quite the right sleeping positions for um, our kids anymore. And the IMBAX was wonderful for Baja to Alaska. It It's small. And we would kind of like something that's a Goldilocks, something that's in between. And we found there's several travel trailers out there. There's some motorhomes out there that have three really good sleeping positions for our growing boys, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a place that is long enough for them. Jack is taller than me. Ethan is as tall as Abby. The, the You know, sleeping positions for adults, right? We haven't been able to really find that in a fifth wheel. And we'd like to be in a fifth wheel again. We'd like to be in a shorter fifth wheel. So there's some stuff out there that's like 46 foot long that has some, that still doesn't actually solve the problem, but has some better sleeping areas. And I'm always like... The the reason it works in some of these travel trailers and in some of these motorhomes is they're not trying to create a separate entire bedroom. Mm-hmm. We don't need necessarily a space for the kids to like play with toys and stuff, right? Not in this season of, of our, our RV life. No. What we would like is for them to each have nice sort of private-ish but large sleeping areas where they can put some of their things they can have their laptop their cell phone and and all that sort of stuff they can have some of their their clothes and stuffed animals and stuff like that an actual twin mattress space Uh, would be awesome so that's why my fresh tank is a new fifth wheel from saber it doesn't quite work for us but it is the 32 BHT. This is a new model they come out came out with that has a double bunk in the back mm-hmm. of the fifth wheel. That's all that's back there is two bunks. There is a wall and a little opening and a couple stairs and, and some cabinets for the kids to put their stuff in. But if you've got two kids, this allows you to have essentially a two-bedroom fifth wheel that is only 36 foot long. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really well laid out. They've got such a good use of storage in it. We've been able to see it a couple of times now. It. I really wish I could figure out <laughs> how to three bunks. make it three <laughs> bunks so that they, because this is what I want. This is the size that I want. Yeah. This is 36 feet. It has the living space that we need, the kitchen space that we need. We don't need two bathrooms. We've always said, like, just cut off that second bathroom and give us that, you know, reduce that space now. That's part of why they end up being 46 foot long. It's like you have a you have a bunk room. Well, now we can make the bunk room be, you know, three sided. And now we can put a outdoor kitchen under one of the bunks. And now we can put a bathroom under the bunks. Yeah, I don't want that length. We don't need that length. That is just our preference and there are so many out there that meet that requirement for people who do want two bathrooms and there's no shame in wanting two bathrooms it would just be really nice for those of us that only want the one bathroom that we could still have some of the benefits that you get with the bunkhouse two bath 46 foot fifth wheel so say so saber is really attempting to answer this i need them to answer it just one more time for me and just like literally cut out that back cargo carrying space that pass through space and because there's other places in the fifth wheel that have the storage outdoor storage and just give me that third bunk the other thing that they do do it i know um, we can do it in this unit is they have this this thing that's been out a few years now in a lot of rvs i think maybe i saw it for the first time two years ago or so so it's really picked up speed is this this pull out pantry behind the entertainment center it's thing. Enormous. So the entire entertainment center wall 
you grab it and it swings open and it's all sort of pantry and storage space behind it. There's, there's by no means there are plenty of fifth wheels that are doing this now. Oh, it's not um, new. It's just gaining speed where you're seeing it more and more. It's becoming yeah. more and more common. It's just a great solution to the yeah. problem of having a pantry where you don't have a lot of room for a pantry. Yeah, and it's a king size bed up yeah. in the the grown up room, which we should have a king size bed. I that's all I want. Like, I mean, I just want to throw my kids in three bunks, but I do want a king size bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. priorities. So this is a continuing conversation, and we talked about this at the seminar that we did in Kansas City over the weekend. That RV life is always about compromises. It really, really yeah. is. Even if you are custom building something yourself, you will have compromises. You will have choices that you have to make. And this is where we're at. Is it smaller space with having to figure out how three kids sleep in that space, but getting us to the length that we want? Or do we have to consider being a little bit bigger in order to get the space that we want for the three boys. That's an ongoing conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Abby, what is in your black tank this week? Okay. Thanks, everybody, for really making sure that those big giant Stanley Cups become such a joke now <laughs> that we can't use them anymore. I love my Stanley Cup, and we um, had them before they were, like, wildly popular. We have. We I can't leave the house with mine now. I think, I, well, I guess... We, I especially, as, a, as a, a white woman, cannot leave the house now. <laughs> we were trendsetters. We did get them... After they had started to popularize, but nothing like what they are now. It's become like a joke upon joke. There was actually an SNL sketch on it. When SNL <laughs> does. So if you've seen in the past, they did something called last year. It was Big Dumb Hat. And so they did this whole <laughs> skit about women my age wearing Big Dumb Hats when we go out, you know. This year, they have taken that one step further, and they had a skit that just came out where they were all wearing their big dumb hats while carrying their big dumb cups, and they were all holding Stanleys. You know, there has been, I guess, Starbucks put one out only yeah. exclusively at Target that people went crazy for. Is this is this this is such a great cup, and I can't They're take so it out great. public They're anymore. So they hold they hold the cold for so long. The lid and straw mechanism is all really well done. It's it's just great. But like on SNL, the big kudos to the props department oh on SNL for this. Yeah, the sketch wasn't actually that the fantastic. The sketch is kind of bad. It was a little poorly acted. It wasn't yeah. as good as the big dumb hat one was. But it it the props were like the cups kept getting bigger and they were in things and made of things. Cup gets put into an <laughs> UGG. I mean, it's just every cliche. And again... I can, if I want, yes, if I want to take my Stanley out, I can take my Stanley out. You know, we all can do what we would like to do. This is no shade if you went out and hey. bought one because you saw like Look, everyone at the soccer practice had one. I walked around the Kansas City RV show with mine. You for sure did. When Ethan went to rehearsal for the first week of rehearsal and I was in there for the parent meeting, the amount of young ladies sitting there in that rehearsal space with their version of the Stanley or the Stanley was was quite impressive. I mean, great. We're all staying hydrated. I'm very happy that we're all staying hydrated. Staying hydrated is very, very, very important. Yeah. It has, however, become such a joke of itself well, that also I, I it's the thing I do. It's like when something, you know, it took me two <laughs> years to listen to Hamilton because I was just like yeah. no, no, listening to that. Everybody's listening to it. I'm not listening to and it. And then you're like, oh. And then I listen to yeah. it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And this, this so is you're talking same... about how amazing it is ever after everybody's already done. I know. It. I'm like... like so far behind. And even though you know we didn't realize that these Stanleys were going to become such a big thing, and we had them, and I think we've actually fresh tanked them. Yeah. And I didn't realize we were such trendsetters. They're fantastic, but like at the same time, it's just everyone has one now and there's a lot of fun being made of there's, them there's and i all, can't leave my house now with it one of the one of the you know criticisms that has really hit home with me though is like how many water cups do you need <laughs> and we have oh i don't know what you're talking about i need the stanley 
I need my Disney Resort mug, which I loved. There was actually a, a meme that was like the Disney Resort mug was my Stanley before Stanleys were cool. So those we, Disney Resort mugs are terrible. The, they are hold they are less. They have maybe ten ounces. They, and they hold, look like they hold. They're as big as they should hold. Yeah, sixteen the ounces, but they they don't. They're great. I love them. They're the worst. They're great. I have all kinds of emotions for those resort mugs, but I I think you just you have cups. For different situations. I mean, we've talked about this. I have particular coffee mugs or mugs that I only drink milk out of. Well, that's true. You know, I have an extensive coffee mug collection. This morning, I woke up and I was like, what What does Jason feel like drinking out of this morning? I think Jason feels like having his coffee out of the Nebraska mug. I, I couldn't even tell you that I had coffee out of the Nebraska mug this morning because I didn't pay attention. I, this morning, was like, I... I feel like having my coffee out of my Amana, Iowa mug. That's just, that's the vibe I'm at. I'm already thinking about homecoming in October. I'm going to drink out of my homecoming mug. There's a lot of thought. And I know you're just like, oh, coffee, and you just drink it. I put a lot of thought, curated thought into our mugs. And I'm very much like, oh, we haven't drank out of this one in a while. I feel like I'm it being feels, unfair. Yeah, feel I, we're favoring feel, one mug too slowly. much. Yeah. yeah. Like we're favoring, like we've been favoring a few Pacific, like a few specific mugs lately. So I'm trying to like spread the coffee love around. Because maybe you only need a few specific mugs. <laughs> no, no. Wow. Wow. This is, you're, Wow. I curate every morning anyway, for you. Anyway, what's in your fresh tank this week? Uh, so my fresh tank goes to the Kansas City RV show. I'd like to thank everyone that came out to see us while we were there over the weekend or to jo- who joined us for the seminars. It was a lot of fun, but really, I want to fresh tank that as well because I do hope, and it is going to continue, and the curators of it will be putting it on again next year. And I think that there's a lot of potential with this show. What I would like to see with RV shows over as they continue, and there's so many out there, I would really love to see some regional super shows, very similar to what we see in Tampa, because not everyone can make it down to Tampa. That's Mm -hmm. a big commitment to go to the Florida RV super show down there or to get up to Hershey. I would like to see something like those shows on the west coast up in the pacific northwest here in the midwest you know areas that are a little bit easier for people to get to so that they as well get to see a lot of what we talk about with the super show they get to see more variety and i think that kansas city is really poised to potentially be that for the midwest in the middle of the country it is the it's the heart yeah. of the country. It, That's what we say in Missouri. We for, are the heart. It was so. This show used to be much bigger. Mm-hmm. So what what's happened at a lot of shows around the country is that Good Sam, which is owned by Camping World, used to produce a lot of the RV shows around the country. Good Sam Media produced them. Uh, so essentially, Camping World produced them. So they would be one of the dealerships at at these shows and then they invited other dealers to come in and all that sort of stuff so this show when we went to it a few years ago when it was ran by good sam was was much bigger but good sam decided to stop producing shows altogether and now camping world does this thing where they have like the ultimate rv show which basically is just at their dealerships and that left a lot of these things in the lurch. So then so other dealers take over and try to get something back together, mm-hmm. right? So what's, what happened, what's been happening at the Kansas City RV show is they're trying to get enough dealers to come to it so that they can have dealers from Kansas come in. This is a really weird state rule. So the state of Missouri has told the Kansas City RV show, which, it, you know, yeah. buy Mocan first, right? We have... I have my entire life heard buy Mo Can first, which means buy Missouri Kansas products first. This is a joint thing between Mo Can. The Kansas City RV show was told that there is a law that they have to have 10 Missouri dealers before they are allowed to invite any Kansas dealers. Yeah. So they had eight Missouri dealers this year. And they could not bring literally 15 miles away 
another dealer in because that dealer was based in Kansas. So no love for the MoCan when it, it comes you know, to it, the RV of show. Of course, it comes down to this sort of like dealer franchise laws. And we have a lot of experience with like living on state lines. So like yes. Abby growing up in Kansas City, it's, it's a metropolitan area that crosses two states and here in the quad cities area we cross in illinois and iowa and there are just weird things like this that happen in in some of these areas but it was still a, it was a oh, great it was show a great show there were like 200 rigs there mm-hmm. and i think you know the the turnout was was good and it was we saw a lot of stuff that really interested us mm-hmm. there's a a good variety in trailers not a lot of motorhomes there especially not a lot of like class a motorhomes there usually isn't at some of these regional shows plenty of class c's Mm. but i think even considering that the sunday of the show was the afc championship game at two o'clock and you know kansas city was in it so that really cut attendance but they had thirteen thousand people yeah and i don't think that that is anything to like you know bat an eye at like i think that was really a strong turnout for something that and I, I really feel it's important to say that, you know, bigger, as you mentioned, this used to be bigger. Bigger is not always better. Well, And, and also, I don't know that no. Camping World and Good Sam right. being in charge of these bigger shows actually meant these shows were better. No, I don't what, think they were. What needs to happen is all of the dealers in the area that want to come to the show should be able to come 100%. to the show. Otherwise, they feel like left out and they feel like it's us versus them now. And it's that kind of thing. Yeah. They had three Kansas dealers that really wanted to go. And they couldn't get yeah. in there. And they have a whole. So this where this happens is um, in a, it's called Bartle Hall. It's enormous. There is a whole other section of this hall that they had closed off because they didn't need the space. But their ability to expand is, I believe, almost double well, what they had at this show. And I do appreciate, though, like the amount of like it's sort of like trying to defend something. I'm not. I, I But. There, there's some things about RV shows that, that I didn't quite understand that I'm getting a little bit more now. And one of the dealers I overheard talking about how they used to bring a lot more rigs to this show. Mm-hmm. And they brought fewer this time because they wanted to spread them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was just too overwhelming. Everything was compact too much. Everything was like... Yeah. So this particular dealer themselves could have brought more. But they were like, well, let's just focus on... on on some specific models because you know a lot of these shows are about just getting stuff off their lot too sometimes Mm -hmm. but But this was not the case and i I think there there's also this thing like i've talked on the show in the past here about how it's kind of weird that rv shows charge Mm -hmm. and how we how i went to the big you know like go to the big elkhart open house where they wine and dine all the dealers every year and i'm kind of like well why don't they do that to the customers but i kind of understand now and i was reading an article in rv business today about this about i think the new england rv show i don't know what the actual show name was i can't remember off the top of my head but the article was an interview with bob zagami who's the president of the new england rv dealers association or something he's a great guy but he's he's talking about how he the attendance was a little down this year but he has no shame in saying like we are the most expensive rv show in the country to go to it's 17 dollar admission and it is very expensive to eat and stuff around this place so it can be expensive to go to what that does is makes them not focus on attendance Mm -hmm. what they're trying to have is buyers there that are serious buyers. And when it's free, obviously, then the serious buyers are crowded out by all the people in these rigs. When you charge an admission fee, the folks that are coming, they have more interest, they have more skin in the game. It's always unfortunate when crowd control is done with money, and I hate that. And I wish there was a better solution. But I think there is some truth to that where, you know, especially when we were in, even here in Kansas City at the show, but especially when we were in Tampa, I mean, they, they charge, of course, to get in, but it it is more of an event there where a lot of the people there aren't there to buy. They're just there. They yeah. might never RV. They just think it's cool to go walk through some of these rigs. 
it is so hard if you are an actual buyer to spend some time in figuring all that out unless you like take a day off work and come on Thursday morning, which is by the way, uh, the best advice we have for you. If this is something that you are actually, yeah. yeah, go on a Thursday or Friday or yeah. go on, you know, if, <laughs> if it's chief's playoff day, go, on, <laughs> go on that day to the RV show in Kansas city. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think that also there is a balance by doing that. The kids are admitted for free, you know, here in Kansas city, it was $12, but kids 12 and under were free to get in. So mom and dad can still go and bring the kids with them. And it's not overly expensive. The food was very <laughs> of course expensive. The chicken strips are 10 bucks. Wow. <laughs> the food was very expensive. And I don't know how much an RV show has control they over don't. that. It's to be a, honest, that's, 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 that's always the, convention center yeah. and it's that's always a pain in the butt always plan on having we well we had wow we, we went to a food truck snacks she made the kids carry them in their backpack though a lot she of weight brought, a lot of weight in those backpacks she brought she brought snacks we went to a food truck at the the tampa rv show Mm-mm-mm. and they didn't have prices on their menu and we were just we knew we weren't going anywhere else like this there was no line here we knew we weren't leaving the show that yeah. would have been impossible we had a little bit of time before we needed to be somewhere and it looked good they had these wraps i don't they were like kind of like italian wraps it was a sourdough wrap and you could get different like fillings in it and, and all it, it was very good i really enjoyed what i ate but we got two wraps mm-hmm. and, and there, two there's sodas. no sides or anything mm-hmm. two wraps two sodas and it was fifty dollars i was i almost was like take this back (laughs) i I don't want this (laughs) which was weird because like right next to it they had like the bar and the bar was like wine for ten dollars which was what you would expect and wasn't like yeah and it was a good pour they were very generous over there but but fifty dollars for us to have lunch i was just i was Lord, yeah. it was wild. So we are way off track here on this. We've been talking about this but for RV a very shows long are time. Fun. And uh, I hope you go to the Kansas City RV Show next yes. year because we will be back at the Kansas City RV Show next year. We will, we will. also be at the Seattle RV Show this year, very soon, in a <laughs> yes. couple of weeks. Yeah, that actually starts up on February. 15th yes we fly out on the 14th so it starts up on february 15th and runs through the weekend so that's thursday friday saturday sunday we are speaking every single day the schedule just dropped in my inbox yesterday so that will get shared join the mailing list for rv miles that'll be the best way to keep up on information like this just go to rvmiles.com mailing list you're going to get our weekly road signs newsletter and then occasionally you'll get an email we try very very hard not to send a ton of emails to you just the stuff that we absolutely want you to know about like we're speaking here we have monthly night live coming up. If you want to become a mile marker member to join that, that's happening on the first the Monday good news of the for month. For you, is that we forget to send emails all the time. <laughs> we also are notorious for forgetting to send out an email, and then we're like, "Well, it's yeah. too late now. I can't send it." Anyway, rvmiles.com/mailing list to find out more about what our schedule in Seattle is going to be. If you're going to be in that area in the middle of February, we would absolutely love to see you so please come on down to the show all right that's it for this week's episode of the rv miles podcast yes it is and if you have any questions for jason and i or any thoughts on today's episode if you're watching this on youtube just go ahead and leave them down there in the comments and we will for sure answer them but if you are listening to this and you want to join the conversation just head over to the rv miles facebook group look for the pinned post that is this episode. You can find that right at the top of the group. You can get into that post and you can drop your comment right down in there. And Jason and I will for sure see it. And we will do our best to answer your questions or just engage others in the community to talk with you about this episode. Sorry, I muted myself. (laughs) They're better at answering questions than us anyway. Yeah, for sure. But until next week, thank you so much for joining us. Please continue to stay safe, stay healthy, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.